Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Score Podcast. Today I'm joined by my co-host Chris Dora. We discuss the Old Firm Derby where Celtic won 3-2 to go 12 points clear in the league. The poor standard of refereeing in Scotland. Ross Wilson departs Rangers for Nottingham Forest and Robbie Newton is sacked as Hearts manager. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So Chris, my man, how are we? Yeah, good. Glad to be back on. It's been a while. Yeah, definitely. And we've got a lot to talk about, so let's just dive right into it. Yeah, where else to start but the old firm at the weekend? Uh, 3-2 victory for Celtic. Uh, what's your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, well, where do I start? Um, for the neutral, it was definitely an entertaining game. It was a very entertaining old firm game. Um, it had it all. It had drama. Um, it had lots of goals, lots of great goals as well. But first of all, I want to start with, the for me, the big talking point of the game before we speak about Celtic's performance and their goals. Uh, for me, this changed the landscape of the game was Alfredo Morelos' goal getting disallowed. Um, honestly, Chris, I think that is one of the worst decisions I've ever seen uh, in Scottish football. Um, never, never in a million years was that a foul. Uh, I was so baffled by it. Um, so basically, uh, a corner was taken. Um, you see it every week. Um, you see players like wrestling each other. You see it all the time, right? So the ball gets whipped in. Johnston like tries to header it, right? Obviously misses. Morelos puts it into the back of the net. And for some reason, um, it's a foul. It, it was staggering. It was scandalous, you know. And Kevin Clancy, for me, is the, the worst referee in the country by a country mile. Um, and see when you see decisions like that, Chris... That's the sole reason why people look down and laugh at Scottish football. It's like calls like that. that it, and it, see, when you see stuff like that, it gives our critics more ammunition to continue to slag our game. It's embarrassing. And see, even when you hear Michael Stewart and Andy Walker coming out saying, yeah, that is never in a million years a foul, that's when you know. And I was, I thought the, the SFA's response like to Ranger's statement was ridiculous saying, yeah, it was a foul. Like what planet are they on? It was scandalous. But what what were your thoughts, Chris? Do you think it was a foul? Uh, obviously at the time, um didn't see you while I was at the other end. Um all I could really see was Morelos put it in the back of net and the was soon ruled out. But um yeah, going back and see it at home. Um yeah, I think um we got a big let off there like you take it everywhere you get it, but on the flip side of the coin, it's like you don't want to see that in the game. And as you say, it's kind of no wonder the standard of Scottish football is often looked down upon and then that extends to refereeing as well. Yeah, 100%. And for me, I think we need to bring in full-time referees or even form referees because see, when we have part-time referees doing it as a hobby, it's not a good look, Chris. And everyone knows that the standard of refereeing in Scottish football is abysmal. And we brought VAR in for a reason, to help them out. VAR wasn't even used for a decision like that. Was it even, Clancy didn't even go over to the monitor and look. He was like, no, nope, it's fine. Yeah, it was a foul. It, it just shows you it is it is pitiful. It is embarrassing. And as I predicted, like I was watching the game with my pal, right? And I said to him, like I predicted it, I was like, Watch this, they're going to, Celtic are going to go up and score. And that's what happened. And Kyogo, very clinical. Uh, ben Davies, uh, well, it was a ball uh, crossed into Kyogo. And uh, Ben Davies was caught ball watching. Kyogo, as I said, very clinical, slotted it away. And it was just, everyone kind of seen it coming, you know. 
And then right before half time, James Tavernier scores a tremendous free kick. And Chris, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, I was at the other end. Um, like the challenge in the lead up, I was a bit like from my end. I was like, is he not entitled to challenge for the ball? But fair booze. Um, but just I soon watched the free kick and I was like, just sit there like, yep, can't do much about that. Well, taking free kick, you just need to put your hand up to that and say nothing you can do about that. Bar it being a brilliant way taking set piece. So credit to James Tavernier getting that one in, getting into the half. Yeah, it was a it was a brilliant goal, and obviously going into half time, the momentum was with Rangers at that at that time. So then, obviously, second half starts, and uh, not long into the second half, uh, Celtic score. Uh, ben Davies with one of the worst attempted clearances uh, I think I've ever seen, and then obviously Jota was able to keep it in, passes it to Kyogo, and he slots it away, makes makes it two one Celtic. And it was just, it was just so bad. Like Ben Davies had an absolute nightmare uh, against Celtic, and I've always kind of like defended him uh, earlier on this season as well. I was like, yeah, he's solid, he's decent. Him and Golson work well together. But in all firm games, Chris, that's where you get judged. In all firm games, that's where you really do need to step up. And Ben Davies just showed to me he's not cut out to wear uh, a Rangers jersey, and it makes it even more annoying the fact that Rangers spent. Four million pounds on this guy, um, Jurgen Klopp is rated him very highly, um, so he must have been laughing all the way all the way to the bank, <laughs> like knowing the fact that Rangers paid four million quid for him, um, but yeah, obviously at that moment, Rangers were already already chasing the game, then John John Suter, yeah, that was his first game back and he was starting his first game, sorry, his first game starting for Rangers, uh, I think since. Livingston the yeah. season, yeah, and that it was such a slack, lack of days ago pass back. It, it, see, you can tell how he was totally switched off. He had already accepted defeat at that point, which is totally unacceptable. Then Jota gets the ball, takes around Al McGregor. Um, Al McGregor, obviously, it's clear as the age catches up with everyone. He's not got the the pace on him anymore to keep up with someone like Jota. So uh, it was expected. Jota was going to slot it away, and he did. He'd done it so so cool, can we collected? Um, and then James Tavernier pulled one back. He, he scored his 100th goal for Rangers, but it's a shame that really won't get spoken about because of the result. Um, the same goes with Tavernier's free kick. It was a unbelievable free kick, but it's kind of one of those goals that you won't really go back and watch because, because of the result, you know? But, yeah, it was... On the day, Chris, I... I didn't think Rangers were all that bad, but and I don't think Celtic were all that great with the greatest respect. But the big difference for me was the forwards. Celtic have much better forwards, and they are much better in the final third compared to Rangers. Morelos, obviously, he should have had a goal. Um, apart from that, he didn't really do a great deal. Uh, and obviously, his goal was wrongly chopped off. Ryan Kent, um, he was abysmal. He went into hiding. Uh, like credit to Johnston though Johnston kept them very quiet but Ryan Kent has played in an awful firm games he knows what it's all about he's coming up for I think 27 this year experienced but he's experienced in these kind of fixtures um, he's thrived in these kind of fixtures before we've seen how well he done uh, in January where he scored a fantastic goal but if you said to me two weeks ago would you keep Ryan Kent absolutely see now uh, I wouldn't keep Ryan Kent Chris um it's, it's I was I seen a stat the other day. Ryan Kent 
has scored six goals in the past like year or so. I think that's the start of the last 18 months. Scott Wright has scored more goals than him, right? And like his numbers for a winger, and especially the amount of money we spent on him, seven million pounds. We're not getting value from that. When you look at Jota, Jota's scored, I think it's 13 goals he scored this season, and he's got 11 assists. He's Celtic's best player. Value for money. 11, it's seven million pounds we spent on Kent, and he's he's just not been as consistent as we expected him to be, you know. So I would part ways with him in the summer. Um and it's a it is a gutter though, because we spent that amount of money on him and he's gonna go for free. And it's go, same goes with Morelos, like it looks like he's gonna be off too. Even though we spent one one million pounds on him, we could have sold him for probably about ten to twelve million pounds. He's going to be going for nothing as well. So that's just total mismanagement uh, from the board. But I want to get your thoughts, Chris, on Celtic's overall performance. Yeah, as you say, it's like we weren't too great on the day. Um, by far from our best performance of the season. But um, a little bit of Champions Resolve, I feel, that you see these kind of games out. Um, even when like, Rangers like, at points looked like they were going to get in the game and then obviously gave us few scarce towards end. So it was a bit of a relief to see it out. And obviously in the grand scheme of things, um extended our lead at the top to twelve points. Um obviously I don't think you really see much in the way barring a massive collapse by Celtic, which let's be honest is unlikely. Um we don't see a way back in the league for Rangers now. So I think now kinda the cup final for both teams is the semi final in two weeks at Hamden. Yeah, um, yeah, Celtic are going to go on and win the league, and I think, like deep down, I did believe that for a long time. the The game in January was the turning point. Rangers did have to win that, and then Kyogo obviously scored last minute to get the draw. And Celtic have just been relentless this season, it has to be said. Postecoglou has done a very good job. Where Celtic are just battering teams left, right, and centre. And but as I said, I don't think there's a great deal between them. But Celtic have just got that cutting edge, and they just know how to squeeze out a result they really do and you see when you look at Michael Beal right now like he's done I think he's done a good job so far uh, he's getting the best out of this team like he's doing like he's getting the best of what he can out of this team you know and he, he, this summer he needs to be backed and I think we will see a proper revamp of this squad uh, and if he doesn't get backed properly properly in the transfer market it could be Celtic going for three in a row again seriously because it it's Celtic. Celtic have done well the last eighteen months or so, where nobody's seen the success coming. Nobody, even yourself, no one, no Celtic fan really seen it coming. Where Celtic had lost to Hearts in the opening day, uh, things just looked doom and gloom, and it looked like Rangers were going to comfortably go f- uh, for the fifty-six title. And then Paul Coglu, with no director of football, he inherited an absolute mess. He had to rebuild the squad, and then he done a remarkable job but I have full fee- full faith sorry I have full faith in Michael Beale to be the guy that will deliver Rangers a uh, 56 title um, but it's it, it was it was a sore one in the sense of like obviously decisions going against Rangers and it was Rangers own doing with the mistakes that they made or like that cost Rangers ultimately but it is what it is that's football you know um, but even if Rangers had won that to be honest Chris I I think Celtic would have probably still went and won the league because at that point it would have been six points, but Celtic have a, a much superior goal difference, so that's kind of like seven points. And the way Celtic have been this season, they just 
they just as what's the saying? They just don't stop. Literally, you you just honestly don't stop. You know, but yeah, but the neutral it was a entertaining old firm game, um, and Kyogo like I'm like I think I was I think the Japan uh, the, the Japanese manager will be regretting not calling Kyogo up for the World Cup. I feel as though that's what they were missing uh, in November. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously got the result against Germany, but um, they did top the group. But um, yeah, it was the penalties against Croatia that cost them. So maybe it was that that, that kind of cost them as well. Um, and then obviously the Croatia game I'm mentioning, they um, it went all the way to extra time. So if they maybe had a striker, who knows what could have happened, what the outcome could have been different. Yeah, 100%, Chris. Um, but there was uh, some positive news for Rangers this week to cheer up the, the Rangers support. Rangers director of football, Ross Wilson, uh, went to Nottingham Forest and Rangers got uh, a, a compensa- compensation fee of £2.5 million. So he'll be the sporting director down there. Excellent news, Chris, if I'm being honest. Uh, the news broke last night. I think it's a good move for both parties. Um, I think it's been well documented that Ross Wilson is performed very poorly in his role as sporting director. Um, there's been very few good signings, um, especially the transfer window in the summer, uh, where Rangers signed the likes of Ben Davies, John Souter, Matondo. Matondo. We signed Matondo for £3 million. Um, I think I, I don't want to give up, give up on the guy just yet. I would put him out on loan in the summer. That's what I would do because I, I, I want to get a return on this investment. Uh, but John signing John Souter, who's only played about four games for us, Ben Davies for four million quid. And obviously the list goes on, even going back to January with Aaron Ramsey, etc. Like there's been very few good signings, but his legacy at Rangers for me would just be one of failure. Like I seen Rangers statement last night where they were trying to tie Ross Wilson in with the. The success of Gerard and Gio, and you're like, oh, not a chance, man. Like, really? Like, they were sending a statement like Ross Wilson overseen. It was something paraphrasing here, right? They were like, Ross Wilson overseen uh, Rangers winning 55, winning a Scottish Cup, and making a Europa League final. Like, that had nothing to do with him. He performed awful in his role, like, literally. And I'm going to go through some of the good signings that he made, right? So, I would say Tillman was a good signing. Tillman was a good signing, right? And I hope we do sign him in the summer. Hadji has been good, I would say. Roof, even though he's injured and prone, he's done enough to be considered a good signing. Halander, obviously he's been injured for a long time, but he's done enough to be considered a good signing. Lundstrom, I'll be honest, Chris, I would say Lundstrom had a good six months. And he had a good six months, and that was last year, and that was it. When, he was on, when, he, when Lundstrom was playing under Gerrard, he was terrible. This season, Lundstrom's been terrible. Balls be grateful he got us to the Europa League final and he was great in Europe. Scored that fantastic goal against Dortmund, but he only had a good six months of him being brutally honest. But if he goes in the summer, which I, I hope he does, you go with uh, my best wishes because that night where we beat Leipzig was the best night of my life. Um, who else? I would say Raskin looks good. You know, it's early doors, right? It's early doors, but he does look good. Cantwell, that was not... Um, Wilson signing that was uh, Michael Beals. Cholak looks fine, but he doesn't fit into our system. But yeah, that's the only signings. Oh, Balogun was decent as well. So that's the only signings, Chris, that I can list off who have actually been somewhat good at Rangers. And think about it, I think we've signed under Wilson about near enough like 30-odd players or so. 
and now I've busted off about eight or something there. I thought. Yeah, if you're only not even naming what a third of his signings has been good signings, then as a bit of a legacy failure, as you say. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and see, Celtic, they don't have a director of football, do they? Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Yeah, and, but see, going into the summer, though, it's going to be a massive summer for Rangers. It's going to be so important. Like, I was speaking, obviously, we were saying it, Scott's go chat earlier on. Joe was like, and actually, I do. I actually do agree with Joe for a change. He was like, "Why don't you just go kind of down the Postecoglou route?" Where, where Postecoglou, obviously, last year, well, when he first took over two years ago, he didn't have a director of football. He just went in there and made his own signings. He had full control, and it, obviously, it's worked out for Celtic massively. So, I think you know what, going into summer, I don't think we need a director of football. Give Bill full control. Let him do his wheel and the dealing and stuff. And look. It's worked out for previous Rangers previous Rangers managers, Walter Smith, for example. He didn't need a director of football, you know. But obviously, in modern football, like it's it's, it's people make such a big thing about having a director of football. And um, we had Mark Allen before, and I thought he was decent, but Ross Wilson's just been a disaster. So, for the time being, I would like us just to step back from the the director of football role and just go into the summer and give Michael Beale blank canvas and let him make his own uh, signings but there was one thing Chris you actually wanted to ask me before you might forget so remember when you said it, said it to me you wanted to ask me this uh, during the week um, it was some, I think it was Michael Stewart the failed Rangers trialist uh, tweeted out something uh, and you wanted to get my thoughts on it yeah um, obviously you've mentioned them on um, sports scene or whatever it was on at the weekend um, well it wasn't on the episode that I watched the highlights back on but um, yeah like how he says that it was like the wrong decision to disallow Morelos's goal. And then a few days later, he comes out with a tweet saying how entitled are Rangers. Um, so was he being hypocritical there, in your opinion? Oh, massively. Like, he's been slagging VAR all season long, all season long, right? But when as soon as Rangers come out and demand an explanation for the Morelos's goal getting chopped off. He comes out with that statement. It was it was honestly embarrassing. Like like for example, remember I think it was like five years ago. I think it was it five years ago. I can't. No, in fact, no. I'm gonna say five years ago. I was thinking the the old firm game where Ryan Jack scored. No, I'm thinking because of John Beaton situation. But no, remember back in January, yeah, it was the old firm game, and it was a big debate about the Conor Golson handball thing. Did Celtic not write to the SFA ask, like asking about why that decision was made? Like why? Uh, a penalty wasn't given. Can't remember for certain if we actually wrote to the SFA or not, but there was definitely quite the storm kicked up about it. Yeah, I think a statement was made. I can't remember, right? I might be wrong, right? So, uh, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, right? But, uh, but in the past, so Celtic have done something similar, right? Where they wrote to the SFA, demand an explanation why X, Y, and Z decision was made, right? But as soon as Rangers do it, he comes out and he's criticised us for it. But see if Hart's done that, he wouldn't say a thing. If Hibbs done that, he wouldn't say a thing. He'll be supporting them. But it just reeks of complete bitterness. The fact that 19 years ago, he was on trial at Rangers and we just knocked him back because he's not very good. McLeish said to him, nah, mate, you're no good enough to play for us. And he's held a grudge this long, 19 years, and he's got this pent-up hatred, I'll even say, towards Rangers and their fans. Because of that, honestly, God, mate, see Rangers knocking him back. That's probably that's probably what sent him off in this independence obsession. Literally, <laughs> honestly, God, I think that's what's triggered it. You know, 
But yeah, I just think I just can't take anything the guy says seriously. Like, even when you look at the replies in the tweet, he was just getting absolutely roasted. You know, he's just, no wonder he's not on Twitter anymore because he's just excuse my French, but he's just made an arse of himself over over the, like the last few years where. It's just, it's almost like a parody. Like, you, you would honestly think he's just, a, he's just a parody of himself, you know? Like, I just don't take anything he says seriously. Like, even when I see, like, certain, uh, like, media outlets, like, quoting him, like, they're obviously doing it because you'll obviously get people that will bite to him. Um, and you're like, why even give him attention? It's just, that's what he wants. He, like, some of the stuff he says, I don't even think he, the majority of it, he believes it, you know, but... Yeah, he's just, I don't even know why I'm giving the guy any, like, attention here. But yeah, I just think he's uh, an embarrassment and he's just, he's just a, a failed a failed footballer, a failed attempt of a politician and a failed pundit. That's the best way to sum up Michael Stewart, Chris. Yeah, we'll leave the politics out and get back to football and <laughs> um, stick, sticking with Hearts. Um, big moves happening at Hearts this week. Robbie Nielsen getting his marching orders. You were very surprised at the move. Oh, Chris, I was shocked at it. Like I know Hearts are not been in great form as of late. They've um they've lost the last four league games. Um and Aberdeen are now third in the in the league. They're two points ahead of Hearts. But I was baffled by it. Yeah, I think for me, Chris, I think Robbie Nielsen is the best Scottish manager Scottish manager going right now. Um Hearts were very lucky to have someone like him at the helm. He done a terrific job there. Uh, two uh, two championship promotions. Two third place finishes, two Scottish Cup finals, and he took Hearts into Europe for the first time in seventeen years. That is, he's done an incredible job. But because Hearts have lost the last four league games and now Aberdeen are two points clear, oh, that's it. You need to get rid of him. Yeah, I know the football and that hasn't been great and stuff. But I, like, I, I was, I was arguing with that um, you and Cameron. I think you're, I think you might be familiar off him. He's uh, on the radio, like he yeah, still is. Yeah, he was on like real radio and he's on it. I don't know what radio he was on now, right? But he tweeted something out saying he's a big Hearts fan, right? So he tweeted something out saying, um, thanks for the memories, Robbie. You took it as far as you as you could. And I tweeted him saying, what are you on about? Like, what are you expecting? You know? And I basically just listed off like Robbie Nielsen's accomplishments and stuff. And then he was like, oh, you don't know what's been going on on and off the field. I'm like, wait, like... Look at the job he's done. What are you expecting? Hearts aren't going to finish above Rangers and Celtic. That's not going to happen, right? The best Hearts can hope for is third. That's all they're going to get, maybe a cup, right? But right now, the gulf between the whole firm and the rest of the league is so big. So there's no shame in Hearts not winning a Scottish Cup or League Cup because Celtic won the two cups last year. Rangers won the Scottish Cup last uh, Sorry, Celtic won the League Cup uh, this year. Celtic are going to win the league this year. And it's between Rangers and Celtic this year for the Scottish Cup. No form are just dominating everything right now. So I don't know what more he's expecting, you know. So yeah, I was staggered by it. Um and who like also Stephen A. Smith has got the, the job until the end of the season on an interim basis. And whoever comes in has big, big shoes to fill. Um and I think this will be a decision, Chris, that the Hearts board will seriously regret. They will really regret it. And I, I do, but I, I honestly, I, I do believe like if Nielsen uh, going into the split or even going to the end of Derby this weekend, if Nielsen was still in charge, he would have turned that around. Like he's been Hearts manager twice, and he's only ever lost two end of Derbies. 
he's got a fantastic record in, the, in these uh, fixtures, and it's not like Hibs are a good team. They're not. Like they got beat by Dundee United last weekend, who are rock bottom. So yeah, I believe Nielsen would have turned it around. Yeah, it was, they just had a bit of a sticky patch, but I think it was a a complete and utter knee jerk reaction, and it was a wrong one in my opinion. And I, I obviously I heard that Stephen Robinson, the St. Mirren manager, is uh, the favourite to get it. Like at the end of the season, for me, that's I think I think Robinson's a decent coach, but. I don't think he'll do a good a good a job as uh, Nielsen has, but I also did hear um, there was a the, the the dressing room was uh, apparently it's quite toxic right now, and Robert Snodgrass is set to get released. Apparently he was uh, this is what I heard. I don't know how true it is. Allegedly this is what I heard. Allegedly uh, Robert Snodgrass Robert Snodgrass was quite a disruptor. Um, he was quite toxic amongst. Uh, he was quite toxic uh, amongst the some of the players, and obviously he's he's going to be left out this weekend. And, and right now, from what I heard, they're looking to like basically just like terminate his contract and like and stuff. So yeah, that, that's a very strange one. But what what's your take on Nielsen's uh, sacking? Um, I agree as well. It's a bit of an Egypt reaction. I obviously understand that football is a results oriented business, but um, yeah, obviously, board game losing streak um, isn't exactly ideal. It's not totally unacceptable to the extent that I feel it's a sackable offence, to be honest. But um, especially when you've been flying so high for most of the season and he has done such a good job and you've listed his track record. So um, yeah, very knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, 100%, Chris, 100%. But it'll be interesting this weekend to see what will happen in the Edinburgh derby between Hibs and Hearts because if Hibs win, I can see a, a total Hearts capitulation going into the, the, the business end of the season. Um, so, yeah, that will be interesting. But is there anything else, Chris, that you want to bring up before we, we shoot off? Yeah, just... Um... Scotland getting off to a good start to the Euro twenty twenty four qualifying campaign. Um, two 0 three 0 sorry, home wins. Scott McTominay double, um, and then he couldn't stop scoring. He got some go a goal again against uh, Spain and a two 0 win at Hamden. Um, that's what probably our biggest result since we beat France back in two thousand seven. Yeah, I would agree hundred percent, Chris. Like, I thought Scott McTominay was fantastic. Like a lot of people were. Like trying to like, I would say a lot of people down south were trying to downplay it by saying, "Oh, it's, it wasn't a great Spain team, whatever." Like, but there was still some very good Spain. Uh, there was some very good Spanish footballers out there, you know. And that is that was a huge result for Scotland, like huge. And I criticised Clark a lot, but that could be for the for this campaign that could be a game changer. And also, we've got the playoffs to rely on. Um. But see if we finish second in the group, like we go through that route, that'll be even better. Like that instead of relying on a playoff, you know. But obviously I think you were at the game, Chris. Yeah, I was at both of them, yeah. Yeah. Like what was the atmosphere like? It obviously through the telly, it looked tremendous. Yeah, probably one of the best Hamden atmospheres I've ever experienced. So yeah, definitely good atmosphere. Um the football Scotland's been playing recently. Um has really got the fans invested back in the national team again because for too long they, they just weren't. You were going to Hamden and it was about 20-odd thousand showing up, but now it's like 
the hottest ticket in town. Yeah, like because like it's all oh, previous Scotland games atmosphere has not exactly been great, but the the game against Spain was like outstanding. But see, when we took the lead from McTominay, were you thinking ah like they're going to come back? But they didn't at all. In Scotland, it wasn't like a fluke. Like we like we fully deserved that. We we played some really decent stuff as well. Um, but I think Scott McTominay's set to get a big move in the summer. I don't see him staying at Man United. I think he, rumor has it he might be going to Newcastle. I think that would be that'd be huge for him. You know, and he's a, he is a he is a very good footballer. I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism. Uh, so he does. And John again, what more can be said about him, man? He is for me Scotland's he is Scotland's best player, man. Like I think it's only a matter of time before he goes for some real big bucks. Yeah, same as same as well. I'm surprised. Like, I can remember hearing like Man United were interested in him, and I thought, is that maybe too big a bolder move for him? But um, certainly wouldn't be out of his depth there, I would say. Yeah, what did you make of uh, Rodri's comments after the game? Aye, <laughs> it certainly amused me. <laughs> Do you know what I found funny about it? I think he was saying, uh, Scotland don't play football. Scotland are... Did he all say we're too physical or something like that? Aye. I found that even more funny because... He used to play for Atletico Madrid, right? And he used to play for Diego Simeone. That's that's the way Diego Simeone plays. Where they're physical, they time waste, they just they, like they, they they play with the dark arts of football. And he has the cheat to come out and say that. You're like, mate, you're a product of Diego Simeone, and you're trying to come out and criticize Scotland for doing some of those things. Like it was it, I think it was quite funny, like Roger's comments had the whole nation in tears with laughter like that it just reunited it just reunited the whole country oh Rangers Celtic fans everyone well they all came together just to laugh at how much an embarrassment Roger was <laughs> it was it was but that's yeah, the thing though like sorry what did you say I was just just agreeing with you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Roger though it was just, like, honestly God like I, I just I don't know what he expected did he really think Scotland were going to turn up and play tiki-taka, pick Guardiola football? No. Like, that's, that's one thing that annoys me with these, like, these world-class footballers when they come up against a team that's obviously, they're, it's, they're, they're, I wouldn't say not very good, but they're, they're in a very good team they're coming up against a team less superior. They, they, they somehow expect us, or they somehow expect them to play like, like them, but no, that's not how it works, mate. That's really not how it works, you know. But, yeah, it was quite funny, but I would say overall that was a great result for Scotland, and that's a great way to kickstart this campaign. Um, and I, I, I will say this now, Chris. As as I said, I've I've been very vocal in my criticism of Steve Clark, but I do believe we're going to get to the Euros next year. Yeah, we've definitely started off on the right foot. Obviously, with maximum points, big result against Spain, and then. Norway, who were expected to be our nearest challengers. Obviously, Haaland was out injured for um those two qualifiers. Um was to Spain and then dropped points away to Georgia. That could have a lot bearing on it yeah. down the line. I we've not we have not got uh, good memories um at Georgia. I think we lost there in, I think it was the 2008-2008 campaign under McLeish. And yeah, that's what Brett, we lost under Strachan as well. We did, yes. Yeah, so let's not let's make sure it won't be a hat trick because it's just typical Scotland. We go beat Spain, then we'll end up losing to like Georgia or something. And obviously, that th- those two results knackered both our campaigns. Um, 
It, but obviously we need to play Norway twice and Haaland is just a different breed of a player. So see if we can from the Norway games, see if the Norway games if we can get through them unscathed. I think we're we are on track to qualifying hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely want to qualify automatically. I don't want us to have to settle for the playoff, not when we've started so well at Bear Waste. Yeah. And see if we don't make the Euros, Chris, would you be like like it'll be I think it'll be an absolute disaster if we don't make the Euros. But if we don't make them, would you say right it's time to go clock hundred percent? I probably it's like I know he got this new contract through the twenty twenty six World Cup, but um I think the way we started off, if we totally imploded and then went in the playoffs, then there would be no recovering from that. Yeah, hundred percent agree, Chris. But is there anything else that you want to bring up before we shoot off? No, I'm happy to leave it there. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they're available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.